Holy Spirit, open our hearts today to hear from you. And we pray you'd help us to sense your presence here with us, to hear your voice. And, uh, yeah, that you would speak. You're, you are the one that has eternal life, the words of eternal life. So, bless this time. Thank you, Lord. I was, uh, I was at Ayers this week walking around looking at, uh, this is the elementary school we were meeting in before COVID in Beverly. It's up on a hill, kind of between Route 62 and Bridge Street by the Cumming Center. And um, so I was walking around looking at some of the different classroom spaces we might be able to use. And I was looking for Bob King, who's the custodian there. He's, he's been there a long time. And I couldn't find him, and I, was, and I was walking around, and then all of a sudden, he jumps out of his, his what he calls his office, the closet, and he says, supplies! <laughs> Did you get it? Supply? supply? Okay, all right. That didn't, none of that happened. I just made that up. I got you. Got you good there. Okay. I just, just want to say, hey, joy is from the Lord, right? I mean, there's something about laughter. I used to think that telling jokes before sermons was such terrible practice, but there actually is a place for that because joy is from the Lord, right? All right. I think Flora just said amen over there. Hey, um, before I read the scripture today, I sense the Lord wanted me to, to share one more thing from the call to worship. And uh, as you can see... I have a partner up here. I've got my two, I got my two things because I just want to say, hey, Jesus is here. When he said, I will be with you always, he really meant that. Right? And so I'm, I just, I sense the Lord saying to do this again. Like for you to see that I'm not, I'm not standing up here by myself. That Jesus is here in our midst. You know, in this passage from 1 Peter Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that's what the presence of Jesus brings. He says in John 15, he says these things that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be full. When we laugh, it's a picture of that. Joy is relational. It, it, it's the result of us being glad to be with somebody and them being glad to us. It's, it's often experienced in a, in a face-to-face encounter. And so, you know, if nothing else today, and if the sermon gets boring, you know, I sense the Lord wants you to see this picture again, that Brian's not up here by himself delivering some message, but that Jesus is here. And that is what the Christian life is about. It is about living in the presence of Jesus, that, that Jesus is, a, is alive. That's the gospel. It's that, it's that God became a human being and it was put to death on a cross, but overcame death, was resurrected by the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead, is now alive forever. And that he is with us, our risen Savior, that is our hope. Our hope is not in any kind of victory or evangelism or any kind of ministry thing. Our hope is in that we are worshiping a risen and alive Savior named Jesus who is with us always. And therefore, we are always able to be with him in return. And that's really what he wants. He calls his disciples to himself. 
to be with him. And so he is always and forever now with us. That song that we sang, so beautiful that Katie wrote herself. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from his love. The throne of grace is wide open. The veil was torn and Jesus is on the throne. And because of that, there's hope for a nation like Afghanistan. Not to mention your life and the the struggles that you're going through. Not that God's going to lift them off and wave a magic wand, but that above all else, we know Jesus is with us. It's his rod and his staff that comfort us in that valley, right? And so this is the Christian life. It's that Jesus is here. He's not mute. He's not deaf. He's not, he certainly isn't dumb, right? And he is alive. He's alive with us this morning. So I just, as we, as we get into the word, I, I encourage you, Jesus has something for you today. And oftentimes it's dependent on our, our receiving that is dependent upon our faith. Are we coming here with an expectation or an anticipation or excitement about the fact that Jesus is alive today? He wants to encourage you today. He's not coming with a heavy He always leads with kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, to change a direction, to change a way of thinking in our lives. Paul says if the resurrection is not real, our faith is futile. And and what he's saying there is that Jesus is alive. It's not just this fact that, okay, he rose from the dead. It's that, no, he rose from the dead and is now alive and is now moving on this earth. He's not chained to that throne in heaven. Yes, he ascended. He's general Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. But he's, but, but he's, not, he's not just chained to that throne. He's moving in this earth. All right, I think that's pretty good stuff. So sounds like you guys don't have many amens this morning. We'll see where we can go. Okay, come on, the sermon gets better if you participate. All right. We're, we're in this series, we're talking about what is church. Okay, and, we're, and our goal through this series, and we're going to be continuing to talk about this this fall, even if we, we shift to another series, but we want to be establishing rhythms of connection in our lives. Okay, it's habits and rhythms that really shape the course of our lives. And so we're trying to put these on fingers. We're putting our friends over here, and we're putting our rhythms over here. We want to be connecting and establishing a rhythm of connecting with Jesus every day. What does that look like for you? What is God inviting you into in this season of life? Maybe with small kids, or a crazy job, or caring for an aging parent. Whatever it is for you, or an intense school schedule. Okay, Jesus has life for you in in connecting with him, reading the word and praying on a daily basis. Secondly, family worship. Who do you live with and how are you worshiping with the people that you live with? Is it reading from some kind of a liturgical prayer book before dinner, right? Is it maybe singing a song? Is it before bed, maybe in the morning? God has things that he wants to invite us into, you know, the home really being the center of faith as it was in the Jewish faith anyways, okay? Thirdly, we talked uh, last week about connecting in small groups, and that's what we're going to be talking about, you know, on that life group Sunday. But asking the Lord, you know, what is he putting on your heart as we move towards the fall and come out of summer? The importance of connecting in a place where you can share vulnerably and not hide, okay, like you can on a Sunday morning. 
Today we want to talk about the thumb. We'll leave the pinky for next week when the Gordon students are here. But the thumb we're talking about is what is a rhythm that God wants you to establish of connecting with your neighbors? Okay, the people, maybe it's your coworkers for you. Maybe that's on, on this hand. Maybe it's the people actually on your street, your literal neighbors. Maybe it's some club or community that you're a part of. But what is the rhythm that God is wanting you to put in your life to connect with people? Okay? Now, here's the scripture for today. This is Luke 10, 25 to 37. Why don't you just listen as I read this? Okay? Old school. We'll just pretend that I'm the only one in the room that can read. Okay? Because it's probably that way in the church sometimes, right? You got one person that can read, they're going to read the scripture. Okay? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Guys, God loves your neighbors. God loves, he absolutely adores your neighbors. Especially the ones that you don't like very much. It's a funny story here, right? This man wants to know how to inherit eternal life. He's thinking about heaven. He's, he's playing the long game. Right? He wants to avoid eternal punishment. He wants to live beyond the grave. And he wants to know what he must do to get this ultimate prize. Jesus turns the question back on him. Well, you know, what do you think? And he's ready for this question. So it seems you know, he's probably been mulling this over for a while. And his response, right? Love, love God with everything. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, correct. Ding, ding. You win. You've nailed it. Do this and you will live. So now that the standard has been clearly established, the passage says he wants to justify himself. Right? He's, he's wondering in that moment, okay, how do I measure up? And he's, a little, he's feeling a little uneasy, especially about that second part. 
I mean, the first part, you know, loving God, sure. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a little intangible. You know, I say some prayers in the temple and, you know, I bring some sacrifices once in a while, you know, a dove and, you know, I've tried to follow all the law. That neighbor part, it's just a little sticky, isn't it? You know, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, is there, is there any kind of flexibility here? Any, any, any wiggle room, Jesus, with, you know, maybe where the lines are drawn and kind of the, how I might measure up someday in that second part? So he, he throws it back to Jesus. You know, who really is my neighbor anyways, Jesus? I mean, you know, I mean, it can't be like you know, everybody. I mean, right? Who's my neighbor? He wants to hopefully get a, he's anticipating a response from Jesus that will maybe let him off the hook a little bit or help him to go home and sleep easy that night. Saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I think I'll make it. So Jesus tells a story, of course, if you've ever spent any time in church. You've heard this story, right? There's a man in need. Robbers, you know, he's beaten, he's helpless. Two religious people turn a blind eye, cross by on the other side of the road. They've got more pressing, more important business to attend to. They're in a hurry, you know, late for a critical engagement or just don't want to get involved in someone else's problems. You know, then as you anticipate the natural rhythm of story, you know, I've been reading many kids' books and just that pattern of three, it's everywhere, you know. The hero emerges on the third take, right? But here, of course, as you know, Jesus shocks the senses of his hearers by making the hero a Samaritan. Now, for those guys, Samaritan, right? Infidel, outsider, sellouts, you know, polytheists, they, they, they've just kind of compromised the true Jewish faith. They're despised by the Jewish people. You know, for, so for some of you, if you were to imagine Jesus telling you this story, the hero would be the guy driving the F-150 with the American flag down the road. Or maybe, let's flip it the other way, that car with the 17 bumper stickers, each one of which, you know, is, is, is a, is, has its own, you know, kind of message and, and uh, manifesto of liberality. Just put it that way. There you go. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's the jalopy moaning down the street with an aroma of marijuana trailing behind as you're driving in your car behind it. It's a, it's a choose your own enemy adventure. Okay? Who, you know, who is it in your life that, that when you see that person, maybe it's a specific person or even one of your neighbors, that disgust rises up in you when you see them? That's the person that Jesus puts as the hero of the story. There it is. I mean, that's the shock effect that he's going for here. And that's the person who actually is, that is the helper, the one who actually is loving the other. It's the guy with the American flag on the back that's pulling over on the side of the road to help the person in need. It's, it's that liberal with all those manifesto bumper stickers that's coming alongside. It's, it's that jalopy bumping down the road, making noises, marijuana, and they're the ones that pull over to the side of the road to help the person in need. 
he's, he's, actually, he's actually saying that the person with the fish on the back of the car is driving right by. Right? Actually, two cars. One fish and one, you know, ichthys with the letters in. You know, I mean, there's one of each, okay? This is the story if you were to retell it for us. And then, you know, um, Jesus flips it at the end from what was not a great question of, you know, okay, well, who's really my neighbor to who was a neighbor? Kind of reminds me of another question in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? Who, who was a neighbor? And what's interesting in this passage is that somehow that question, who was a neighbor, Jesus is tying to eternal life. Now, you know, we all know, we're, we're, we're good Protestants here, that Salvation is by faith alone, you know, through grace alone. Jesus isn't challenging that here. I I think what he's doing is saying that eternal life is love. What do I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus is saying, well, you love your neighbor and God. Like, that's what eternal life is. Eternal life, eternal divine life, life that comes from God and lives forever is itself love. As we love those around us, we are participating in the divine eternal life of God. God imparts that life to those who believe in him. We know that. That it, it comes through faith. And as we lean into that, we start to really experience and know what eternal life is now. It's not just, okay, I will live forever and I've got a ticket to heaven. Because remember, Jesus is, hi Jesus. He's here right now. We are participating now in the life of God. That, we, that Jesus says, I in them and, and they in me. And the Father in me as I'm in them. That as we, as we live a life of love, we participate in the eternal divine life and nature of God. And all of this is possible because Jesus is the Good Samaritan. All of this is possible because God was made a neighbor to us who were in trouble and unable to help or rescue ourselves. And isn't it interesting that just like the Samaritan Jesus was despised. Guys, God loves your neighbors. All of them. Everyone. I mean, the key to loving your neighbor is is God changing your heart and filling it with his love. 
And that can happen in a myriad of ways. And sometimes it requires us making a step towards those neighbors. And in the process, God fills us with his love for them. And as we love them, because what's happening then is is we're actually living life with Jesus. And so when we're following him into the place of loving, even those that we want to to have to despise or have disgust for. That's where the one who is love already is. God loves your neighbors. And he's and he's asked us to love them too. And he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done because he became a neighbor to us and is still, and, and is a neighbor to our neighbors. Right, that's the gospel. Good Samaritan Jesus, despised, and yet our rescuer, our neighbor. That through his life, through his incarnation, that God joining himself to us human beings, he made a commitment for all time that he would not forsake us or this world. And in his death, Breaking the power of the curse and death itself. He rose again to victory so that he would bring his life into us. His very self into us. We're going to take a moment now, Katie, if you guys want to come back up. And maybe uh, the step that I mentioned is the step for you today. And that is, hey... Who is it that God has been highlighting for you? Maybe it's that very person that really pushes your buttons. Or maybe there's something, there's some rhythm that God has been preparing you for to establish in your week that it's on your calendar because what gets calendared gets done, right? What becomes a habit is, is where we actually move. Of, of how this fall, God is wanting to, to do something in your neighborhood, your place of work could be any number of things, but, but God has heavenly divine strategies available to us. He promises wisdom for those who will ask and not doubt in their heart. Right? We just believe, not because we're so great, but because Jesus is and he's with us. So we're going to give you about a minute to two minutes to sit and see if the Lord will bring any person, or maybe he already has, or anything to your mind that's, that's about a rhythm or or a person that he's wanting you to connect with. And then we'll close with with one more song, okay?